the grace of God, and I uh, give you a little moonology here, uh, Brother Ricky Moon tells us in college, if the, the things of God don't crank your motor, then you got something wrong, you're either out of oil, you're out of gas, or something, but, uh, and I hope the things of God crank your motor today, and I hope you can get excited about the things of God, and uh, I'm excited about what the Lord's put on my heart tonight, and uh, we're going to be talking about getting some power getting some power from God, and uh, I think we could all use some power from God, and God wants to give us the power, and God wants us to be a vessel that can be used. You have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter number 18, 1 Kings chapter number 18 tonight, come to a, an amazing story here, or just as pastor said, we better be careful calling it a story because it's an account something that really happened. It's not something that was made up or just thrown in here because it sounds good or looks good. But uh, we come to this account of uh, Elijah and we see the power of God that he has on his life. We see the power that he has to pray down fire from heaven. And uh, we look at Elijah and we see uh, he's a man with God's power. We 
realize that, uh, man, he walked with God and he had a relationship with God and uh, he was on his knees before God. Do we realize today how much power we can get on our knees before God? Elijah did. He realized that uh, this task that he was given here, that he's about to confront the king and the, the men here, the prophets of Baal, that this wasn't going to happen in his own strength, in his own power. He was going to have to have some power from on high. He was going to have to count on the Lord. And, uh, you know, he was God's man. God is looking for a man or woman today that's going to be sold out for him. Yeah, it's going to be totally sold out to him. You know, we're going to be sold out to something in our life. It's either going to be worldly things or it's going to be spiritual things. We're going to be sold out to something. God is looking for us to be sold out for Him today. Ezekiel 22.30 says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. God's looking for a man. God's looking for a woman today to stand in the hedge. I hope that He'd be able to look on our church and that He wouldn't have to say, But I found none. But that I found many. That I found many that want to stand, that want to make a difference for God. It's not about our personal agendas. It's not about a self-seeking plan of what we can gain or what we can make of ourselves, but totally giving ourselves to God. I'm saying, you have all of me. Whatever it is that you want me to do. You know, it took great courage and great faith in Elijah to go before these men prepare the altar and to pray down that fire from heaven. Elijah serves the same God that we serve today. And we still serve a powerful God today. We see the confidence that he had in his relationship with the Lord. How is our relationship with the Lord? Would we have this much confidence? Would we be in a spiritual position to be able to fulfill this as Elijah did. No, Elijah had unwavering faith. We see for the past 80 years, the people going back and forth with serving God and then serving false gods, and going back and forth and back and forth. We see a three-year drought comes upon the land here. See, at this time, King Ahab is the king in We see his uh, wife that he married there, the powerful Jezebel. Powerful and evil Jezebel. We see what the people are going. And as Elijah, he, he gets tired of seeing what's going on. And he meets the king face to face. He says, listen, you've abandoned the commands of God. Let's look there in chapter number 18, verse number 18 of 1 Kings. It says... And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that they have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. So he had forsaken the commandments of the Lord. You know, then with amazing faith, we see this all coming together, and Elijah says, hey, gather up all the people, and let's go to Mount Carmel, and let's settle this once and for all. He said, let's see who the real, true, living God is. He says, I'll have you prepare an altar. 
And you build it up and you put the bull on there, but you don't put fire to it. And we'll see which God brings down fire and burns that sacrifice. Elijah says that he'll do the same thing. So we see the people, they gather, and we see that it's about to go down. Elijah is wanting to prove that his God is the real God. Look at verse number 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt thou between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire. Let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Let's open up in a word of prayer this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just be with the message tonight. Lord, I pray that we would realize how needed your power is on our life. Lord, that we would take steps to get your power on our life. Lord, that we could become better Christians tonight. Lord, that we could be better witnesses for you. Lord, we love you and thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see, so, the challenge has been set out there by Elijah. We see they're, they're getting together, and uh, the prophets of Baal, they start out, and they get their altar built, and they cut the sacrifice in pieces. They lay it on there, and, man, they pray out. They cry out to their God all day long. Not a thing happens. Not a thing happens. Then Elijah... He steps up to the plate. He says, it's my turn now. And he says, I'm going to take this another step further. He said, he tells them to go and to fill up four barrels of water. And to pour it on the altar three times. And he dug a trench. And it was full of water. You know, you can't light wet wood. You can't get a fire going with wet wood. Then let alone to have... Uh, that many barrels of water thrown on there, and we've got water standing around the trench tonight. Some people would look, they, I'm sure the prophets of Bell said, man, what is he doing? He's crazy. If fire comes down, that isn't even going to light anyways because it's soaking wet. Elijah said, I know my God can. I know my God can. Do we realize tonight what our God is? can do are we living our life like our god can do you know i think it's interesting if we skip over to verse number 32 let's see how elijah is building this altar and when the stones he built an altar in the name of the lord who did it say that he built the altar in the name of the lord it wasn't in the name of elijah but it was in the name of the Lord. He wants the Lord to receive the credit and the glory and the honor for this. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would continue two measures of seed. 
And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. Elijah knew what his God could do. He says, I'm going to make God look good in this situation. I'm going to make sure that God gets the glory and the honor. Everything that comes into our life, whether it be a trial or a testing or anything that we're faced, God wants to receive the glory and the honor for it. God wants us to be able to say, we made it through this by the grace of God, by the strength of God. See there in verse number 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening, time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And this wasn't just a little firecracker that fell from heaven. But the fire of the Lord came down and said that it consumed everything and even licked up the water that was in the trench. Hey, we serve a mighty God today. But it took a man that had God's power in his life that said, hey, I'm willing to put my God to the test. Hey, I'm tired of these people going back and forth. Hey, they need to realize that there is a true God and He is worth serving today. He says, I'm willing. I'm one. He mourned over the sin of the people. He wanted them to see the true living God. Tonight I want to look at how we can have the power of God on our life. First, we have to ask ourselves, do we want it? Do we want the power of God on our life? You say, who wouldn't want the power of God on their life? Well, if we were honest, we come down to it. When you're thinking about having the power of God in your life, that's going to mean that you're going to have to live different. That means you're going to have to act different than the world. That means you're going to not go to the same places that the lost person goes to. You're not going to say the same things that the lost person does. Because God can't uh, reside in somebody that their heart is full of sin and that there's somebody that's going against the things of God. So we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay the price? Do we really want the power of God in our life, because if we say, God, I truly want the power of God in our life, then He's going to hold us accountable to some things. And we can't hide our face in the sand and say, well, God, I didn't know about that. Because He says, I've revealed it to you in my Word. I've let you know everything that you need to know in the Word. Because if we truly don't want the power of God in our life, we're never going to see it. But we've got to decide that we want the power of God on our life. Elijah wanted the power of God on his life. and He took steps to make sure that he had it. 
we're willing to take steps tonight to make sure that we have the power of God in our life. We see Elijah lived with God. Elijah grieved over sin. He spoke against sin. He was passionate about his walk with God. We all know the sad story of the sinking of the Titanic. The unsinkable ship, they say. The men that were supposed to be watching and on guard, well, they saw the iceberg, but it was too late. It was too late. They had tried to steer the ship away, but the ship was too big. There was not enough time. They had been asleep too long. We know the results. Men, women, children lost their lives. We've got a nation today that's sinking around us. We can't think that our nation is unsinkable today. Because the further and further away we get from God, the deeper we sink. We can look around us today and we can see the iceberg. Hey, what are we doing to warn people? What are we doing to steer the ship back towards God? I said that we're sinking. I didn't say we were sunk. I didn't say we were too far gone. But it's going to take some Christians to wake up. It's going to take some Christians that say, Hey, I want the power of God on my life. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the power of God on my life. And to pass that on to my family. I want my kids to have the power of God in my life. I want my grandchildren to have the power of God in my life. I want my co-workers to see that I've got the power of God on my life. Do we want it tonight? Do we truly want the power of God in our life? The people that were on that ship, they were partying away, eating, doing whatever they, they were unaware of what was going on around them. The lost world today is unaware of the position they're in. They're on a path that's going to lead them straight to the pit of hell if somebody doesn't intervene, if God doesn't intervene, and they turn their heart and life to Christ. We've got to make sure that we're alert. We've got to make sure that we're being the witness that we need to be Let's look, I just got three steps tonight. Three steps and you'll be out short tonight, okay? That's what I always tell my wife. She doesn't believe me. She said, I've heard that one too many times. But it'll happen tonight. But three steps. Number one, if we want the power of God in our life, we've got to have a relationship with the Lord. We've got to have a relationship with the Lord. You know, we hear that term a lot. We use that term a lot. I think that word relationship has kind of lost some of its meaning along the way. I think we forget what all goes into a relationship. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort to have a relationship. You know, I, uh, when I started having a relationship with my now wife, you know, uh, see, I had the inside scoop on her because I was good friends with her brother. And so uh, she didn't know that I already knew all the inside scoops about her. But, uh, you know, when I started having that relationship with her, I wanted to learn more about her. I had to get to know her. We don't go into a relationship with somebody that we don't know anything about. And how does our relationship grow? By learning more about that person. 
It's the same with our relationship with the Lord. We first know Him through salvation, but it doesn't stop there. It's got to keep going. We've got to keep learning about Him. You know, and I, I learned about things that she didn't like. I learned about things that she did like. I learned about things that she was interested in, which mainly was just me. <clears throat> so that was pretty easy for me. But, you know, and things that were important to her became important to me. And vice versa, things that were important to me became important to her. You know, for a year we were uh, dating long distance as I was my senior year of college. And so how did I, just because I was long distance, did I have to lose that relationship? Did I have to stop growing? No. I still grew through communication. I still grew through talking to her on the phone. Uh, I don't know if her mom will remember or not, but, I mean, while we were gone, there, there's probably just a few minutes a day we would spend on the phone uh, talking to each other. Or maybe a lot of minutes. I don't, I don't know. I remember my dad telling me one time about how many minutes the phone bill had increased. And uh, it had the word thousands in it. I, I don't know. A couple thousand minutes or something like that. But, uh, you know, I wanted to get to know her. Just because I was apart from her, I didn't want to stop getting to know her. We both did have unlimited plans, by the way, too, just in case you were thinking. Unlimited minutes. But we got to know each other. We got to draw closer to each other, even though we were away from each other. Same with our relationship with the Lord. We've got to grow and to know Him. How do we learn more about the Lord? Through our Bible reading, through our prayer life, through being faithful in God's house. Those are areas that we grow spiritually. We get to know the Lord more and the things that are important to Him become important to us. And the more we get to know Him, the more we realize how God loves us and how God wants to bless us and how God wants to use us. But there's some stipulations there. We learn there's some things that God says, I don't want you to do with your life. And we learn that there's some things that God says, this is what I do want you to do with your life. And He says, I'm going to be there for you. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. But he's saying there's going to be some things that I want you to do, some things that I don't want you to do. There's going to be some so-called sacrifices that we're going to have to make if we want the power of God on our life. How much effort do we put into our relationship with the Lord? See, the effort that I put into the relationship with my wife is what got me to where we're at. Obviously, I mean, there's a lot of things with that. You know, you've got to have the Lord in that. And finding your mate is so important. And I thank the Lord for the blessing of my wife and my life and uh, all that she does for me, all that she means to me. But it's effort. And it's still, once we got married, that effort didn't stop. Once we get saved, that effort shouldn't stop. We shouldn't say, okay, God, well, I know I'm on my way to heaven, so that's all I need to know. It can just stop here, and now I can just live my life however I want. Some Christians today feel that way. Some Christians today act that way. But we know tonight that it's a growing process. We know that we have to continue to grow in the Lord. 
But how much effort are we really putting into it to get to know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or do we spend more time with our earthly relationships than our spiritual? We know it's easy sometimes to put God on the back burner until we get into that time where we feel like there's no way out or, man, God, we need you to come through for me. And we call on Him as a lifeline. God says, I want to be there even through the good times with you. I want you to count on me in the good times. I want you to rely on me in the bad times. If we want the power of God in our life, then we've got to get to know Him. Number two, we have to take a stand against evil. We have to take a stand against evil. If we want the power of God in our life, we can no longer waver back and forth between two opinions. We cannot be like the people of Elijah's day, wavering and being lukewarm and mixing with the sins of the nation there. If someone or something can talk you out of your faith tonight, then there's something that's not grounded in your life. We need to be grounded in our life. If a storm can come in our life and toss us about and, and make us question whether God is really real or not or whether God really loves us or not, then maybe we need to get a little more grounded in the Word of God. So I think if, if we could come to the point where we realize that no matter what happens in our life, it's never, ever going to change the fact that God is still good. Amen. That's not going to change. No matter what comes our way, no matter what happens, God is still going to be good and God's still going to be merciful and gracious to us. But we can't forget that. We've got to be able to take a stand against evil today. We know it's a spiritual battle that we face on a daily basis. That battle of light and darkness. We know the flesh likes the dark. The flesh likes the old habits. But we've got to feed the Spirit today. We can't have the power of God in our life and be trying to feed flesh and Spirit. We can't please our flesh in one breath and then please the Spirit in the other and expect to have the power of God in our life. What does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24? No man can serve two masters. Why? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do it. We can try all day long. It's not going to work. Why? Because we're either going to hold to one, we're either going to hold to God, and we're going to hate the other, flesh, or we're going to hold to the flesh and hate God. That's what he tells us. We've got to choose tonight. Can't serve two masters. Not only do we have to stand for against evil and stand in a, a wicked world today that we're faced, but we've got to stand for godly principles. We've got to take a stand even when no one else is standing. What an awesome message this morning. I love that portion of Scripture when they can say, but if not. I've always loved how three Hebrew boys can be facing a fiery furnace. Say, hey, 
my God is able. Oh, they know He's able. There's no doubt. They know God can. But even if He chooses not to, we're still not bowing. We're still not giving in to the false gods of worshiping them. We're still not going to turn our back on God. Hey, whether it means we go through the fire and we perish, we're still not turning back. Think about that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. You could go around this room tonight and we all know Christians that have turned back. You know why? Because they allowed Satan in their life. They allowed different things to say, but the past was so fun. Oh, but you're missing out. And they said, you know what? You're right. Turn it back. Thank God for the ones that come back. But there's still too many casualties today. We've got to make up in our mind we're not turning back. No matter what. Thirdly, if we want the power of God in our life, number one, we're going to have to have a relationship with Him. We're going to have to get to know Him. Number two, we're going to have to take a stand against evil and stand for right. And then thirdly, we're going to have to prepare the altar. We're going to have to prepare the altar tonight. We're going to have to prepare the altar of our heart. I think about as Elijah's building that altar. And from what I can, what my mind gets from whenever I read that, I don't pick up on any doubts in his mind that God's going to do this. I don't pick up on him thinking, man, am I going to make a fool of myself? I mean, this is crazy, but I'm going to do it. No, I see, hey, my God's going to do this. My God's going to come through because I know I serve the true living God. You know, he could look at that and say, here we got Elijah on this side and we got 450 prophets of Baal over here. Man, Elijah was way outnumbered. But was he? Because when you got God on your side, you're never going to be outnumbered. It doesn't matter how many prophets of Baal are over there. Elijah's got the power of God in his life and he, wasn't, he didn't have any doubts about God coming through for him. But he had that relationship with the Lord. He was taking a stand against evil. And he was standing for right. And now he's saying, I'm preparing the altar. I'm preparing and expecting for the fire of heaven to come down on this altar so that God can receive the glory and the honor from these people and that, he can, that they can see that God is real. We've got to prepare the altars of our heart. You know, God sees when we mean business with Him. When we get serious before God, He sees that we're preparing an altar, that we're getting sin out of our life, we're getting our relationship right with God, we're taking a stand against evil, we're trying to do the best we can to do right. Oh yeah, we're going to fail. We're going to mess up along the way, but we're trying to do our best for God. And we're preparing that altar and we're saying, God, oh God, He's crying out. Oh God, would you just send the fire? Oh God, would you consume this today so that you can be glorified? That you can be honored? Are we preparing the altar of our heart today? 
Are we trying to prepare it and say, now come on God, I, I need you to do this. I'm trying to accomplish this for my purpose, for my good, whatever. You know, it's all about having a, the right heart, the right motives about what we do. A heart issue. Brother Mike Sells and I were talking yesterday as we were out door knocking. We're talking about that relationship with God when your heart's in it. There's no other better place to be. And you can't even explain it, but you just want everybody to grasp it. You want everybody to get it. You want everybody to get to that point where God says, man, I'm ready to work through you. I'm ready to use you because I can see you're serious about it. You know, the Bible tells us we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice before God. A living sacrifice. Every day, people are watching. Just as Brother Murphy said, everybody's watching. What kind of testimony are we living? What kind of example are we being? Are we preparing that altar and getting it ready. You know, this morning, Sunday school, we talked about 1 John 1, 9, how God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But God can't use an altar that's built around sin. God can't use an altar that's not totally surrendered God. Total surrender, total obedience to God. As we think about our daily life, we think that's that's a great challenge set before us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. God didn't say that Everything in the Christian life was going to be easy. But he did promise his blessing. We do see the the promises of God. We see the power, the almighty, all-powerful God that we serve today. And he's looking across this room tonight. He's looking for individuals that are preparing an altar receive the power of God. Elijah got that altar built. He went before the Lord, begged Him, asked Him to pour out His blessing, burn up the sacrifice. And He did just that. Do we believe that God can do that in our life? Do we believe that God can use just one man one woman, one boy, one girl to make a difference in a community, make a difference in a family, make a difference in, you name it, a city. You know, they say, light yourself on fire for God and people will come watch you burn. We need to, we need to be lit on fire today for God so that people come, they see something. Say, I want that. I guarantee you, we get the true power of God in our life. 
People's going to want that. People's going to come there and say, man, how do I get what you have? You know, we talk about taking a stand, even when you're by yourself. You know, there's going to be times when you take a stand against something that's wrong and you see other brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're not standing. But you can't allow that to discourage you. You can't allow other things. The Bible says laying aside every weight and sin that beset us. Putting those things aside. Running the race that's set before us. There's so many things that Satan wants to use in our life to distract us from the cause of Christ. There's so many things that Satan wants to do to destroy that altar right here. We talked about going before God, a holy God, a righteous God, a just God. He can't use a filthy vessel, but He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's nothing in your life today that is holding you back except for yourself from having the relationship with God that you need to have for being able to take a stand and to being able to prepare the altar. We see an amazing story how just an ordinary man but had the power of God on his life did an extraordinary thing. I want to see that in my life. I want to see that in your life. I don't know about you, but when I see somebody else that's on fire for God, and man, God's working in their heart, number one, I'm excited for them. I'm excited about it, but you know what? I want it. I say, hey, I don't want them just to have that. I want that too. I want God to be able to work in my life. I want God to be able to use me as a testimony. But if I'm going to be able to do that, then there's some things that i got to clean up in my altar. There's some things that I may have to change in my relationship because that relationship takes effort tonight. That relationship, we've got to get to know Him tonight. It's got to go past just the Sunday school education of knowing Jesus. Thank God for our Sunday school. Thank God for our bus ministry reaching those kids at a young age. But we've got to get off of the milk and get onto some meat, the Word of God. And I'm excited about what God wants to do. And God wants to be able to fill the lives of us just like He did Elijah. But we've got to want it. So my question tonight for you is, do you want it? Do you want the power of God on your life? And when I say, do you want it? You're saying that I'm willing to make some changes to make sure that I have it. Just as I said with Elijah, as he goes there and as he's praying, as he's prepared the altar, there's no doubt in his mind that God's going to come through. Hey, there was no doubt in David's mind that he was going to slay that giant. Why? Because he had God in his life. He had the power of God on his life. And that doesn't have to be something of the old days or something of just biblical, but that can still happen today. We see that with the Lord saving souls. Thank God for the souls that have been saved recently. Just a few months ago in our spring promotion, 34 souls come to Christ. 
34 people saved from the pit of hell. Why? Because somebody said, hey, I'm concerned about people. I'm concerned and I want to be used by God. But it shouldn't be something that just happens at a promotion. It shouldn't be something that just happens once a year. Something that we say, God, I want the power of you in my life at all times. And you think about what God could do with a people that's filled with His power. Standing, if you would, heads bowed, eyes closed. Stan's going to come.